Welcome to The Logbook. I'm your host, Lucas Weekly. This episode is supported by you, the listeners, through Patreon. Head over to thelogbookpodcast.com for more information. Decision-making is a huge part of aviation, and this time, Dr. Ken Burns shares a few stories where he and some students learned the importance of the seemingly simple process. Thinking back at some of the experiences I've had uh, here as an instructor, you know, I learned a lot from myself and, and others may have learned from as well. You know, I can think of when I had absolutely no experience as an instructor. It was my first uh, two weeks on the job and getting new students uh, and basically, you know, now you are the mentor. You are the role model for these students and you are the one that has to teach them and you are responsible not, not only to teach them but responsible for their safety um, was just a, a tremendous change from being a student. Those first few hundred hours uh, as a flight instructor, uh, you're learning more than the students you're teaching are learning, you know, uh, and that is the highest level of learning there is to teach. So uh, I did gain a lot of experience uh, and I'm still learning to this day. 16 years later, we should all still be in that boat. But before I had the experience built, those first few hundred hours, uh, there were a couple things that occurred that were very vivid in my memory or are very vivid in my memory right now. I can remember um, taking a student on her on her first flight, and just you know the this one student in particular, how just amazed she was with the entire idea of flying an airplane and being up in the sky, and the reason we all fly, right? Our that passion definitely had that passion, and uh, took her out on the first flight activity, and it was a hot summer day. It was one of those days in Florida where thunderstorms build relatively quickly, air mass thunderstorms, you know where we are can build relatively quickly. They're predicted almost every single day. So uh, the sky was fairly clear and it was a good day for an introductory flight, especially out over the water where it was smoother. So we did exactly that. We took off and we went up into the practice area and we're flying around and then I can look to my west and I could see the, the cumulus clouds are now towering cumulus. And uh, all of a sudden I see a lightning bolt, you know, coming out of one of them. So I thought, Okay, this is interesting. Now, we, we didn't have any onboard, you know, we didn't have any FISB from, from our ADSB. We didn't have ADSB, so we didn't, we didn't have a radar in the cockpit or anything like that, or an uplink radar. So this was normal. As a student, we've dealt, dealt with this before, so we should probably go back to, to home base and before this stuff gets a little bit stronger. And called Daytona Approach and you know, told the student, well, we're going to go back a little bit earlier today because it looks like it's going to be bad here within the next hour or so. Well, those storms built a lot quicker than that, 15 minutes. Uh, the storm can grow and dissipate. So that's kind of what was happening. And uh, as I said that to the student, the towering cumulus we were flying next to, you know, another lightning bolt came out. And, you know, nowhere too close to us, but too close for me. I've never had that experience before. And you don't want to be anywhere near a thunderstorm, right, within 20 miles. It's really, I mean, you don't want to be close because of the wind shear that that occurs. And we were probably like 10 miles, uh, 5 to 10 miles from there. So I called ATC. I asked for vectors back to, to Daytona, and they gave me those vectors. Um, and as I was coming southward, storms came over the airport. And in my inexperience, or in my experience, I should say, 
Daytona came on the radio and said, well, the storms are over the airport at this point. State your intentions. I said, well, I'm going to divert to DeLand, right? And I could see it was clear where I was going, the direct line to DeLand. I could see the storms they were talking about. So DeLand is just west of Daytona, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to wait for the sky to clear up, and I'm going to, you know, get a Coke or whatever it is. And once it's all clear, I'm going to come back to Daytona. So that was a good decision, right? That was the decision that I had been trained to make, and that was that was the one that the organization wanted me to make, and that was the safest one that there was. So as we were heading down to DeLand, air traffic control came back on frequency and said, you know, those storms are pretty much past the airport now. They were moving from the southwest to the northwest. Still can remember seeing them in my mind. And he said, you know, there's, there's a little uh, cloud cover, but uh, I can give you a local IFR, local instrument clearance, to get back to Daytona. And without even thinking, I just said, okay, that sounds good. You know, I'd like to request local IFR clearance to Daytona Beach. And what it was, in my inexperience looking back on it, was I was trusting the air traffic controller. Right? I wasn't trusting my gut. I wasn't trusting. I was looking, and I could see those storms were, yeah, they were still close to the airport, right? But I let that air traffic controller, which is normal for some folks with inexperience, to do, I over relied on them and said, well, they know what they're doing. They have a radar. They know, you know, they understand. So, so I took that local IFR and we, uh, we were doing the ILS back to Daytona. So this is the first time the students ever flown and the students, the student is now in a cloud. So first flight, you know, and this is a VFR pilot and I already have her in IFR conditions. Students thinking this is great. Students in love with this, uh, doesn't realize what's going on. And then we just get washed, totally washed with water. You know, I've, I've had instrument time. At this time, maybe I had 260 hours. So I had some instrument time, but never really in a heavy rain. So that got the, the blood pumping uh, a little bit. And there was some outflow from the storm. I didn't go through the thunderstorm, right? So the thunderstorm was still maybe four miles, five miles north of my position at that point. Uh, but I did get the outflow. Uh, it was very bumpy. You know, I remember thinking, oh, my God, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? You know, I was I was in a position where I am the only one in the cockpit that knows how to fly an instrument. I'm doing the ILS, and I'm, I'm now dealing with some wind shear, and I'm dealing with heavy rain, and I'm hoping there's not hail behind it. I remember the lightning bolt off my left wing when I was at about a thousand feet, you know, coming in towards the final approach fix there. And that was, it was too close. It was way too close. And thankfully, the students loving it still like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is amazing, right? Thankfully, I came out of the clouds. Everything got smooth. The wind shear went away and I landed the airplane. And you know, when you have that, that feeling of, like if you almost get an accident or something, that adrenaline after that adrenaline passes, just that that feeling in your body, that weakness, right? Just that shakiness. And I remember landing and taxiing back to the ramp and meeting the chief pilot. <laughs> the chief pilot was there waiting for me, wondering why I would do such a stupid thing. And our rules are five miles, you know, this. Uh, and and I remember opening the door to that airplane, just feeling like you can pour my body out because, you know, I just had gotten my adrenaline so high with such little experience. You know, looking back on it, was I in a uh, an extremely dangerous situation? No. Was the wind shear like 
like a microburst type wind shear? No, right? So, but was it enough to, to scare me and to realize that I put myself in a position that I shouldn't have been in at that level of experience, especially with basically the feedback I got from air traffic control and taking that as gospel. Okay, DC said, it's good. I, I mean, it's good. I'm going. That was a big lesson for me that day. Not only did I get in a little bit of trouble with my boss, but uh, uh, I was in a little bit of trouble with myself internally for, for why did you put yourself in that position? But that was an experience, you know, an example of an experience that I grew from and I share with my students. And a lot of times, especially student pilots, they, they are so insecure in their knowledge and experience because it is so low that the attitude or the communication of people around them greatly influences them. And I've seen lots of incidents over the years where a student pilot uh, has a miscommunication with air traffic control and knows what they're going to do is about wrong, but thinks that that's what they're being told to do. And, and they end up making an error. I mean, I, I can tell you a couple of stories. Uh, one that comes to mind is we had a student who was going out doing night solo activities. And this student was a commercial student, so they had a private instrument certificate. But at that time, you know, maybe they've been flying for a year, year and a half. They really didn't have a lot of experiences. They had the certificates and they had to go out and do night solos uh, at a controlled airport. So they were going out to do that. That's a requirement, part 61. And the student was holding short of a runway. The air traffic control said hold short, two five right at Echo, taxiway Echo they were on, and they were trying to get the 25 left, the southern runway, to do their closed traffic. And some time had passed, uh, a decent amount of time, because there was traffic on that, on that runway. And then there was a controller change, so a different voice comes on and tells the student to take off on 25 right and basically says, you know, uh, uh, riddle, blah, 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 clear to take off runway 25 right from taxiway Echo. Uh, and then entered the traffic pattern for 25 left, closed traffic. So the controller's intention was, let's use the big runway, you're going to take off, and then you're going to enter. The, I'm gonna transition you into the traffic pattern in the air rather than taking off the small runway. Well, the student heard, heard that and was confused. This is something the student had never experienced before. In the mind of the student, they were taxing the 25 left to do closed traffic. So... The student calls back, and in the readback, you can hear in his voice, uh, he's a little bit concerned. And he says, riddle, blah, 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 I'm going to take off on taxiway Echo for closed traffic, uh, 25 left. ATC comes back and says, affirmative, take off from Echo, 25 right, clear to take off. So the student questioned it for air traffic control as a question, you want me to take off from Echo, they actually said that at one point. The student said, you want me to take off on Echo? And, and the controller said, yes, take off from Echo to five right. There's a big difference, All right? The controller wanted the student to, from Echo taxiway, turn right onto the runway and take off. The student heard take off on Echo. And guess what the student did? At nighttime, entered full power, down taxiway Echo, rotated off a of taxiway Echo, and took off into the air. Right. Um, and the question is, why did they do that? Why did they make that decision? Uh, and it's it's a lack of experience, but it's also that. And when we interviewed them afterwards, well, I knew it was wrong, 
I knew it wasn't right. It didn't seem right to me. I've never heard of anybody taking off a taxiway. Well, why did you do it? Well, I asked ATC, and they told me, well, it was a communication bias, right? But if he knew it was wrong, how come he didn't say negative? How come he didn't, you know, how come he didn't say I'm not going to do it? Because, you know, there, there's, there's a little bit of pressure there, and that inexperience from air traffic control knows what they're doing, and I don't. And when that happened to that student, I could relate with that. You know, and I, and I told him my story of, you know, accepting a clearance back to Daytona when in, internally I knew it wasn't right. I knew that was too close for comfort. But air traffic control personnel aren't the bad guys. They aren't trying to put pilots in uncomfortable and possibly dangerous situations. No, so so ATC uh, is a huge asset for us. Um, absolutely. I mean, how else can... Can we also, as an organization here, do 250 flights a day uh, the way that we do them uh, in and out and keep them all separated and keep everybody safe? What it is is there's different interests, right? Air traffic control wants wants to help you as much as they can. They want to move airplanes as much as they can, uh, but they, they don't have the full story. They don't know what's going on with you in that airplane at that time. So, And they don't know your experience level. Only you know that. So when it comes to the judgment of what you can and can't actually do, it's not up to the air traffic controller, it's up to you. Only you know the situation in the cockpit, how well you know you can fly this airplane, what your level of experience is, what your proficiency is in these certain conditions, right? What the student's ability is who may be actually flying the airplane. Um, and then you may also see things they don't. ATC is a tremendous, absolutely a huge and a tremendous resource but they don't have the full picture as to the, the situation. So these are all experiences we can learn from. That student learned from that experience and, and learned and not only continued to fly, but became a successful aviator, you know, still a professional aviator. So um, stuff like this uh, is, is very important to, to remember and to share for upcoming students so that they understand why people have done the things that they have done and how they can avoid doing it and well in the future. So after learning and after gaining experiences, there's been many times that I've, I won't say many, yeah, I guess many, many times where I've declined an ATC clearance. I can think of one specifically, it was at a small class D airport and the controller was doing a really good job keeping everybody moving, really good job. And the, the tempo was really high. A lot of people in the traffic pattern. And they gave me a, a takeoff clearance. And I looked, and the student I was with wasn't a experienced student. It, it was their, like, fifth or sixth flight. And I knew there wasn't enough time, you know. So this has happened, I don't know how many times. But So I, I denied the clearance and called ATC and said negative. You know, the traffic on final is too close. Well, in their opinion, it wasn't. In my opinion, knowing my student and the situation that I'm in, and once I get out on that runway, how long it's going to take me to get there, right? Do the final items and taxi out and, you know, get on it and then add the power and go. Um, I wasn't comfortable with it. And uh, I didn't put myself in that position because I had the experience to know that it wasn't worth it. It was too close. The result was, you know, air traffic control gets a little bit testy, you know, because they're they're trying to move metal, right? They're trying to do the best they can for us. And, and you know, it's just, sorry, I'm not going to accept that clearance. And and that's good. And when that does happen and has happened in the past, that was always a, a big point in the debrief 
with the student. You realize that, you know, we were cleared to take off and I denied it. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And they're like, well, we may have made it. You know, there was an aircraft on final and, you know, you know it would have been close and that kind of stuff. So those are all opportunities to learn. For us, we don't make pilots. We don't train pilots. We train decision makers, right? So we do everything that we can to, to harness these experiences and to communicate them out to the masses so that students can learn from other people's mistakes. And we're also really big on scenario training and building scenarios and simulation where students can experience themselves these types of things uh, because that, that makes a better pilot. So in the end, uh, a pilot is a decision maker who happens to know how to fly, right? So that's really what it is. And in order to make good decisions, you have to have a large amount of knowledge. You have to have a good amount of skill. You have to have the right attitude as well, which is, which is critical and intangible. And you have to have the experience. So, uh, so that's what we're here and that's what we're here to build. This department to me, it's, it's, it's home. And I feel that we are changing the safety of aviation. We are improving it, right? Because the safer that we can make our pilots, the better they're going to be when they get to industry and the safer they're going to be in industry, which means the industry is safer. So it's kind of that, that passing it along type of thing. So in doing that, it is important to, uh, to make sure that we provide the right level of mentorship to our students because that's really how they learn the soft skills, right? That's how they're going to... They're, they're going to learn, yeah, we're going to give we're gonna give them tools, we're going to give them the best airplanes, we're going to give them the best equipment, and we're going to give them the best curriculum there is, all of the systems, everything, the best of the best. But really, the instructor is the most important cog in that wheel because the instructor is the one who the students model their behavior after. The instructor is the one who delivers the curriculum. The instructor is the one who prepares the lesson. The instructor is the one that basically builds this student and their decision making, right? The students learn what to do based on that. Uh, so the professionalism and the safety culture of that instructor is the most critical piece in developing a great aviator. So we, as an organization, we focus on that tremendously. Dr. Burns is chair of the flight department at Embry-Riddle Daytona Beach. He went from a student here at the university, then to a flight instructor, and now after 16 years of being involved in the department, he makes sure that all the flight training programs run smoothly and that Embry-Riddle trains and creates the best possible aviators. Dr. Burns also has one class where he's a private pilot ground school instructor, and I'm currently in the section where he teaches. He'll usually go off on a tangent in class and tell stories from his experiences that are applicable to that day's topics. So before the semester ended, I've been basically just nagging him to do an interview with me for the logbook. I was forced to do this interview. Oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. No, I'm only kidding. You can check out pictures of Dr. Burns, his office, and some images of the Ember-Riddle flight line, along with more information about these stories by going to the article at thelogbookpodcast.com. This episode was supported directly by your donations. If you enjoy the show, you can support its production by becoming a patron. Through Patreon, you set a donation level that is given every time a new episode is released, and you can always set a monthly limit so you don't go over your budget. Depending on the amount donated, you are granted access to different rewards that are as simple as hearing a sneak preview to the next episode, all the way up to exclusive content that didn't make it into the show. 
Any amount is helpful, and the more that's donated, the more the show can improve. Head over to our website, thelogbookpodcast.com, and click on the Patreon banner at the side of the page to start supporting. Also, don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps bring awareness to the logbook. If you have a story about anything in aviation, we would love to hear it, and it may even become an episode of the logbook. You can send us an email by using the contact page on our website. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you come back for the next entry in the logbook. Mm -hmm.